Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Long May Rain podcast. I'm Aiden, I'm your host for this podcast. So, I oh my god, I have so much stuff I want to tell you guys about. I don't know why it feels like ages since I've gotten to record, even though, you know, reasonably it's only been two weeks. Maybe I think it's just because, like, how busy school has been for me lately. You know, the semester's winding down and I'm basically, like, uh, drowning in homework. I feel like it's been such a long time since I've done this, but it, it isn't. <laughs> okay, what, what was I going to talk about? Oh, we actually have a lot of very exciting milestones to celebrate with this episode and the next episode, I suppose. Um, as of uh, today, April 4th? Yeah, it's April 4th, isn't it? Yeah, it's April 4th. We hit 25k downloads. Who even are we? Y'all are so cool. How, what? Sometimes I just don't understand why people listen to me, I, to be fair. I am free, so maybe maybe that's the reason. But thank you guys so much for getting me to 25K. I really hope we get to 30 very soon. That'd be really cool. Um, also, on April 14th, so about 10 days from now, we are officially going to hit the two-year anniversary of this podcast. What? How have I been doing this for two years? Even I don't know. When I started this, I was 18 years old, and now I'm 20. That's weird, right? It's weird so weird anyway we're i'm gonna do like a post on twitter for that since there won't be an episode directly on the 14th because i think the 14th is a thursday this year yeah probably anyway uh what else was i gonna talk about oh i've got some exciting news for you guys so this summer i am going to be participating in the national treasure hunt tour with uh my lovely podcast friends aubrey and emery Emily over at the National Treasure Hunt podcast. I'm really excited. I get to go to Washington, D.C. I get to see the White House. I get to see the Declaration of Independence. I get to spin around in the largest uh, library in the world. I've always wanted to do that. And I get to go to George Washington's fucking house, guys. I'm so excited. Oh my god. So I really hope that you guys like come watch my Twitter when I go and do that. It's going to be so much fun. I'm going to be taking so many pictures and I'm going to be sharing it all with you guys. I'm I'm so excited. Okay, enough about me. I've been talking about myself a little too long. Let's get into what we were talking about today. So today we are talking about Marie-Thérèse of France. Yes, yes, yes. It's uh, basically the continuation of our Marie Antoinette series uh, because this is her daughter. Now, you know, I didn't know much about Marie-Thérèse, like, personally like I don't, I don't think i'd ever done a like super big deep dive into her life i i knew for a fact that she was the only one of marie, marie antoinette's children to make it alive out of the revolution um i know uh that she probably had a very good childhood but other than that i didn't really know much about her like personally so getting to do the research for this episode has been like really rewarding because i really felt like i got to know her especially with like all of her writings because she did write a lot about of her experiences so it, it really felt like personal and it was really interesting to uh, get to know her so if you guys are ready let's get into it 
Oh yeah, guys, the pop popping is back, baby. Historical ASMR. I also have some like Reese's peanut butter cups if you guys want to hear that later. But anyway, I am I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, so Marie Therese of France was born on December 19th, 1778 in the palace of Versailles to King Louis the 16th and his queen, Queen Marie Antoinette of Austria. Now, of course, her being born on December 19th makes her a Sagittarius, and we know we love our Sagittarius queens on the show. Yes. And mostly because my dad's a Sagittarius, and so is my little brother, so I've got a special heart, a special place in my heart for Sagittariuses. You know, Sagittariuses are adaptable, resilient, and they're explorers. They love to explore, which actually I think describes Marie Therese pretty well. She she needs to be really strong and smart to get through all of the shit she went through in her life because, oh, guys, you are not ready for this. Also, fun fact about her name, Marie Therese. Um, if you guys remember, um, uh, Marie Antoinette's mother was also named Marie Therese. And what's really funny is that her grandmother, Marie Therese, insisted that all of her daughters named their first daughter after her. So not only was she called Marie Therese, but she had like four billion cousins in like Austria also named Marie Therese. So that must have been confusing. I can't imagine being a grandmother with like 15 granddaughters named Marie Therese. Like I feel like once you name one cousin, or grandchild Marie Trace, you should just stop because that's just too many granddaughters <laughs> named Marie Trace. I, it's not really relevant. Just thought it was funny. Okay, so I know I have already done an episode on uh, Marie Trace's mama, so she probably doesn't need a lot of an introduction because she is Marie Antoinette. But just in case you haven't listened to that episode or you for some reason don't know anything about Marie Antoinette, let me give a little bit about backstory on Marie Therese's mother. So, uh, her mother was born in Vienna, Austria in 1755 to the reigning empress, Marie Therese, who she's named after, and her husband, Francis, the Holy Roman Emperor. Now, Marie Antoinette was very spoiled, but a very loved child who suddenly, at the age of 14, was sent off to France in order to marry the Dauphin, Louis Auguste, which was not supposed to happen, by the way. Um, now, Marie Antoinette and Louis, they definitely had a how do I say that? A rocky marriage to start because they were just really different personalities. Like they were complete opposites on the ends of like whatever personality spectrum you want to put them on. Marie was, Marie Antoinette was outgoing and beautiful and she just loved to dance and party and just get out there. But you know, Louis, he, he made, he made locks for fun. Like that was his thing and he loved to read and he, he liked to go to bed early like this poor boy. <laughs> Like, I don't know, I think I've used this metaphor before, but I, whenever I read about Marie Antoinette and Louis XVI's relationship, it's kind of like somehow the nerd of the high school scored the cheerleader and married her and he doesn't know how it happened. Like, that's pretty much their relationship. I, I think it mostly comes down to how they were raised so differently. <laughs> Because like Louis, he was he was he was raised with like a lot of strictness in his life, and Marie Antoinette got so much freedom in her childhood. Uh, speaking of Louis, let's talk about him. Uh, he was born in 1754 to the Dauphin of France, while his grandfather Louis the Fifteenth was king of France. So it wasn't expected that his so it was expected that his dad would become king before Louis the Sixteenth, until poor poor Louis's daddy, also named Louis, dropped dead from sickness when he was a kid, and suddenly the weight of the throne was thrust upon this little tiny
tiny child's shoulders. Baby kings are bad. Um, and unfortunately, Louis tutors didn't really prepare him well for ruling. Uh, they bullied him, made him unconfident, indecisive, and meek, which contributed a lot to his ruling style. And pretty much just how he interacted with people in daily life. Like, they, they shot up this boy's confidence, which is so sad, because he was a fucking child. Uh, not to mention, he grew up in the very rigid court life of Versailles without his parents. So it makes sense he had no idea how to interact with Marie Antoinette who grew up with her parents and, and be, they were more there and they actually loved her like like I I give I'd probably give Marie Trine, Marie Trace's grandmother Marie Trace a lot of crap for her being cold but in general she actually wasn't that bad of a mother especially Marie Antoinette's dad Francis was like actually like a pretty cool dad like they actually loved her so that's where you can see like the contrast between Marie Trace's parents now, Louis and Marie Antoinette were married when uh, he was 15 and she was 14, back before they were king and queen, but which was in 1770, uh, which if you do the math, it means she was born eight years after her parents' marriage, which, you know, at the time was so weird for royal couples since Marie Trace was the oldest of their children, and it was a massive scandal ever size that it took them so long to have their first baby. Now, realistically, what this whole lack of a baby for like seven or eight years came down to was that Louis and Marie Antoinette had no idea how to relate to each other, and they just didn't know how to talk to one another until Marie Antoinette's brother, I think it was her brother Joseph, yeah, one of the older ones, anyway, he literally came to France from Austria to give Louis like a, like a sex talk. <laughs> like, it goes in here. <laughs> Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm acting like a child. <laughs> and nine months later, bam, our girl Maria Trace hits the scene. <clears throat> now, her birth was pretty crazy. I mean, the room was, like, packed to the brim with courtiers and nobles waiting to see if it was a boy. And they were so excited about Maria Trace's birth, you know, assuming that she was going to be a boy. Uh, the railing that was, like, in front of Marie Antoinette's, like, bed like broke from like people trying to like see what was going on like it, it it straight cracked and that thing was like made out of like wood and gold and uh worst of all Marie Antoinette almost like suffocated during the birth because of like all the people like there was no air in the room and the windows weren't open so like right after she gave birth she like passed out and like someone had to open a window. Uh, pretty much after Maria Trace's birth, uh, Louis banned everyone but family from witnessing royal births, which was like really cool on his part because that must have been fucking traumatic. Now, Marie Trace's birth was mildly disappointing politically because she wasn't a boy and could not inherit in France because of this dumb shit called Salic Law. Uh, but both of her parents were like kind of ecstatic that they had a girl first, especially Marie Antoinette, who uh, apparently was once overheard saying to little baby Marie Trace, uh, and I'm going to quote this for you guys. Poor little one, you are not what was desired, but you will be none less the dear to me. A son would have belonged to the state, but you will belong to me, which is. Mm, that's so cute. <laughs> now, Marie Therese was baptized quite literally the, the day after she came out of the womb as a Marie Therese Charlotte of France. And she was also given the title of Madame Royal, which was a traditional title you usually given to the eldest daughter of the King of France, uh, like the uh, like the Princess Royal in England, which actually uh was the princess royal title was inspired by madame royal because i think like 
it's like a hundred or so years before this. No, maybe 150. Um, a French princess named uh, Henrietta Marie uh, married into the English royal family, and she wanted a title like Madame Royal for her daughter, so she created the Princess Royal. And I think we've had like what, like six Princess Royals since then. A anyway, the point is that's where that came from. Now Maria Theresa's upbringing was pretty bougie as fuck. I'm, and it was also pretty happy and very, very loving. She, like, she was lucky for most royal children of her time. Her household was headed by Victoire de Rouen, who was a French noblewoman whose family had a very, very long history of being governesses to the royal children. However, she uh, did have to leave the position because her husband unfortunately went very bankrupt and it was not looking good, so she just decided to get out of there where she could. Uh, Marie Therese's next governess was a Yolande Postron, Duchess of Polignac, uh, which was not a popular move at court because uh, Miss Yolande over here did not have the social status to uh, be named uh, the princess's governess, but whatever, Marie Antoinette did it, which was actually one of the things that got the nobles very mad at her. Now, in my opinion, I think Marie Trace's parents were as good at being parents as royal parents could be at this time, and I think they did both genuinely love Marie Trace. Uh, Louis was kind of the parent who spoiled Marie Trace and like gave her whatever she wanted. Like, if, if she was like, hey, daddy, I want a pony, you'd be like, here you go. <laughs> it didn't matter if she wanted a new dress, some fucking diamonds. Louis was obsessed with making his daughter happy, which is, you know, a very nice side to see from him, considering he's, he's quite not liked in history for all the things he did and all the propaganda that, you know, happened after he died. Well, like, in general, yeah, bad ruler, pretty much a good guy, in my opinion. Um, on the other hand, Marie Antoinette was a much stricter parent, which, you know, it's kind of shocking to hear considering how she goes down in history as being, like, such a frugal person, but it's, it's, it's genuinely true. Like, Marie Antoinette was, like, very concerned with her daughter's upbringing. Uh, she wanted her to grow up and become, she didn't want her to grow up and become an ungrateful, spoiled brat like her husband's aunts. So she tried to make sure that Marie Therese knew how lucky she was every day to have the things that she had. Uh, Marie Antoinette would invite poor children to play and dine with Marie, Marie Trace and would encourage her to give her toys to poor children, which is like really sweet that she tried to instill like values of like generosity and kindness in Marie Trace. And in fact, um, apparently as a little kid, uh, she was called Mousseline, Mousseline the Serious by her mother, which I think is really cute. Like Marie Trace, she, she had like this like serious attitude and her mother thought that was funny. Now, before we move into the more action-packed parts of the episode, I want to talk about Marie Trace's formal education and what she looked like because uh, we actually have so many beautiful portraits of her. Now, personally, I think she is stunning, totally inherited her mother's famously beautiful face. Um, however, she definitely got her dad's eyes and his brown hair rather than her mom's like super ashy blonde hair. Uh, not to mention, it seems like she she looks tall in her portraits to me. Um, I don't know how tall she actually was, but she's giving like she's giving like like five nine five ten vibes you know like like model height you know um as for her education uh we don't really have anything specific uh, about what she would have been taught, but as a child of royalty, she would have been given you know the basics of the time uh we know she could read and write because she kept a journal during the revolution and and that she was probably very deeply re religiously instructed 
instructed because she had a prayer book in her cell during the revolution. I also imagine she, she was taught, you know, the more fem feminine things, music, dancing, horsemanship, uh, literature and history, if she was lucky. Um, in general, she probably had a really well-rounded education. So, you know what? Go, go, sis. Educated queen. We love that. Oh my god, y'all. These, uh, these peanut butter cups are really good. I can't stop eating them. That's my fault. I bought them from the store. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. My bad. <laughs> okay, back into it. Okay, so it's important to note, as I mentioned before, that Marie Thrace was not an only child. Uh, she had a handful of siblings that are actually pretty important to the, her story. So it's time to introduce the siblings. In 1781, when she was four years old, she became a big sister for the first time. Um, her little brother, the Dauphin Louis-Joseph, uh, we'll call him LJ, was born in 1781. And then in 1785, when she was seven, she became a big sister again to another brother named Louis-Charles because they just couldn't name this kid anything other than Louis. And for the sake of my sanity and yours, we're going to call him LC. So she's got a little brother LJ and she's got a little brother LC. And finally, for the last time in 1786, when she was eight, her mother gave birth to her youngest sibling and only sister, uh, Sophie Helena Beatrix. Now, everything I read about Marie Trace just gives me, like, really big sister energy. Like, she was super protective of her siblings and, you know, just gives older sister vibes, especially to her brother LJ, who she was the closest with throughout her childhood. But unfortunately, she suffered a lot of early loss even before the revolution started. Um, in 1787, uh, her little sister Sophie died a month out from her first birthday, which is really tragic. Like, every, like this was a gut punch to the entire royal family. No one expected little Sophie to die. And then two years later, in 1789, just before the revolution began, her favorite brother, little LJ, unfortunately died from tuberculosis, which must have been devastating for her. I mean, she was really, really close to them, cl close to him. Um, what's even, like, worse about this whole thing is the public reaction to his death, which, you know, she probably didn't, like, understand at the time. I don't even know if she even knew about it. But when little LJ died, the common people did not mourn his death like they normally would have when the heir to the throne of France died. Like, the entire attitude to her family at this point was sour. And she was, like, she was, like, nine or ten. She couldn't have possibly understood like why people were reacting like this even if she knew about it like it's 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 a mind-boggling situation for someone who's like 10 or 12 to understand now however the political situation hadn't affected her life yet not to mention you know how, how do you explain this to a kid like hey kid the poor people are mad at us because of financial problems that have existed for like two centuries and people are making gross and lewd xenophobic pamphlets about your mom like that's a lot to put on a 10 to 12 year old soul shoulders so like i can't imagine how mind-boggling all this death and politics must have been for her now a month after her brother's death the bastille was stormed on july 14 1799 and this was the moment things started to get a little bit too real for marie trace now several of her family members and friends of her parents decided to get out of the country while they could like her aunt the count of sorry her uncle my bad <laughs> the count of artois artois and marie trace's governess Yolande left the country on her father's orders by the way she wasn't just running away her father actually 
told Yolan to get the fuck out. Uh, Maria Trace's governess was replaced by uh, Louis Elizabeth de Croix Tourzel. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm trying my best. Um, who actually had a daughter named Pauline, uh, who, despite being seven years older than Marie Trace, actually ended up being one of her best friends for the rest of her life. So, like, you know, in the middle of all this, you know, she got a best friend. It kind of reminds me of, like, uh, Isabel of Castile, Castile getting her uh, friend at, like, Crack House Castle, <laughs> Beatrix, you, you guys remember her from the Isabella Castile episode? Anyway, um, in October of 1789, a large group of women walked from Paris to the Palace of Versailles uh, because they had a belief that food was being stored there and they decided to sack the palace since they had no food. Um, now, thanks to Marie Trace's journals, I can tell you exactly what this was like for her. And trust me, it's terrifying. So here's pretty much what happens to her as from her diaries. She gets woken up in the middle of the night by her mother and told she needs to get dressed as fast as possible and come with her to her dad's room. All night, she was hugging her mother and her other brother, Elsie, as they listened to the screaming crowd sacking the palace, killing guards and looking for her mother and just being fucking plain terrifying now when the morning came the leaders of the mob insisted that the royal family come to paris and move into the tuileries palace so that they could keep a closer eye on them which no obviously louis and marie antoinette agreed to because the mob had guns and you know duh guns um when they were moved to the tuileries palace uh they spent um I think it was about a month or two under house arrest in the Tuileries until they realized that this wasn't just like a, you know, oh, we're just going to keep you here for a little bit. No, it was getting serious and they needed to get the hell out of here as fast as possible. So a plan was made to escape. Now, France's closest ally at the time was Marie Antoinette's family in Austria, which was a little too far. But luckily, or I guess maybe unluckily because colonialism, um, her family owned parts of the Netherlands, which was significantly closer to France. So that was their target. If they could get over the border to Austrian-controlled Netherlands, they'd be fucking Gucci. So the plan was to uh, dress up like middle-class merchants, take a carriage and flee the country, and then uh, take France back with the help of Austria. Viva la France. Um, now, Marie Trace was told of the plan by her mom, and on the night of, she was dressed up, and she also helped her little brother, Elsie, dress uh, to look like a girl, actually. Um, and Marie Trace uh, was told by her mother to lay down on the floor of her car on the floor of the carriage under the seat with her little brother um while they rode around paris waiting for their parents to be ready because they couldn't all like obviously get in the carriage at once that'd be like really suspicious so uh marie trace and her brother got in first and uh, lay down on the floor for a while until her parents were able to join them now uh once marie antoinette and louis got in the carriage they spent hours riding from town to town avoiding getting recognized until they entered the town of uh, Varnay, which I, th I think is still in France to this day, uh, where someone unfortunately uh, recognized the king. Uh, do I think his portrait was like either up in the tavern or someone recognized him from like a coin or something. Either way, someone recognized him, which, oh my God, that was a burp. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway. <laughs> The point is, Louis gets recognized, and the, the plan is over. It's foiled. Because one dude fucking recognized this king, the king, out of, like, 
the millions of people that live in France. <laughs> and unfortunately, they were brought back to uh, Paris, where thousands of citizens screamed at them and was like throwing stuff at their carriage for like daring to escape France. And after uh, one too many break-ins at the Tuileries Palace, um, the uh, government that was uh, pretty much controlling France at the time, uh, they were moved to an actual prison called the uh, Temple which is very ominous. Uh, they were moved there on the 10th of August, um, and on that same day, Marie Therese's father was deposed, and a month later, the monarchy was, unfortunately, officially abolished, and now she and her family were quite literally nobodies. She was probably, like, designated as a lady. Like, that's a sharp fall from being, like, the oldest daughter of the King of France to nobody. Now, over the next three months, uh, her father was put on trial, uh, which she had no chance of winning, by the way, because he had no lawyer, and he was given no time to defend himself, and in the end, he was sentenced to death by guillotine. Um, now, according to Marie Trace's journals, the day before her father was sent to be executed, he, he, he genuinely tried to put on brave face for his children. He acted like it was a normal day. He, he woke up that day, helped, um, her and her brother get dressed, um, taught her brother Elsie his usual lessons, they had dinner, and when he was being taken away, literally everyone in this room was, like, fucking bawling. Like, no one was happy. They didn't want him to leave, uh, but the guards took him anyway, and unfortunately, that was the last time she ever saw her dad. And genuinely, she wasn't exactly sure what happened to him until, like, years later, but I'm sure she suspected that they probably had him murdered. Um, now, after her father's death, her conditions in prison got marginally worse without the protection of her father. Uh, the guards would insult her and her mother and, like, throw, like, actual, like, really xenophobic comments. Marie Antoinette's way, because, you know, Marie Antoinette, she was, she was Austrian and she was German, which, uh, you know, French didn't really like, so they'd call, they'd, like, make fun of her for being Austrian and German. Um... And unfortunately, the one comfort they had is that they had pencils for, like, drawing and writing. And the guards would, like, try and take their pencils away. Um, and they would, like, never let them outside for fresh air. Not to mention, like, they'd trash the rooms about three times a day, like, trying to do searches to see if they had anything. Which, oh, God, that's just, like, being treated like an animal and you're, like, a little kid. Like, how is that fair? Now, six months after her father's death, it was ordered that her little brother Elsie was to be separated from Maria Trace and her mother and put in a different cell all by himself. And neither Marie Antoinette or Marie Trace were happy about this. And I, I gotta tell you guys, they put up a fucking fight before they were gonna let the guards take Elsie. Marie Trace stood behind her mother, guarding her brother as her mom, like, literally cussed the guards out. She was <laughs> this... Totally a direct quote. Fuck you, fuck you, you're not taking my son. Not actually a direct quote, but I'm sure that's probably what it sounds like. Um, she, like, literally refused to move from her spot. Now, eventually, after hours of her mom, like, cussing the guards out, uh, Marie Antoinette was eventually pushed aside and forced to give up Elsie, who pretty much, like, he, he threw the biggest little kid fit after being taken away from his mom and moved to a different uh, cell by himself. Uh, now, uh, very soon after this, her mother was also put on trial for treason, uh, 
And while Marie Antoinette was away being put on trial, uh, Marie Trace and her aunt Elizabeth tried to keep up life as normal as possible. Uh, they would uh, play board games, uh, do some sewing, um, serving her mother food, and occasionally they would get news about Elsie from the guards. Not all the guards were horrible, actually. Some of them were were, were pretty chill and would be like, "Hey, your brother's doing this today," which was, you know, about as nice as it gets. Um, but unfortunately, um, as you may know, Marie Trace's mother was also sentenced to death and was taken away from the temple to be executed. Now, Marie Trace also writes about this moment in her journal, and here is the, like, actual excerpt from her journal that I'm going to read to you. My mother, after tenderly embracing me and telling me to have courage to take good care of my aunt and to obey her as a second mother, repeated to me the same instructions that my father had given me. Then throwing herself into my aunt's arms, she commended her children to her. I answered nothing, so terrified was I at the idea that I saw her for the last time. My aunt said a few words to her in a low voice, then my mother went away without casting her eyes upon us, fearing no doubt that her firmness might abandon her. She stopped once at the foot of the tower because the municipals had to make a process verbal to discharge the concierge from the care of her person as she went out she struck her head against the lintel of the door not thinking to lower it they asked her if she was hurt and she said oh no she said nothing can hurt me now which only fucking god that's so fucking sad jesus christ Marie Antoinette oh god you guys have no idea how much I hated reading Marie Marie Trace's journals. Like, genuinely, I had no idea they existed until I did all this research on her. And they are genuinely fucking gut-wrenching. Like, I agree with, like, the whole idea of the revolution. I understand why they did it. But poor fucking Marie Trace. Like, she was a fucking child. She did not deserve any of this. Anyway. Now, over the next few months to a year after her mother and her father were both gone, things got much, much worse. Um, her aunt was also taken away several months later and executed. I don't know if she knew that. Um, and meanwhile, it was just her and herself. She had no one else. And her brother was wasting away in another room so bad that he was covered in his own poop and he was being beaten often. Which is something she found out later. Um... Also, it gets worse. Apparently, Marie Trace could, like, hear his screams from the beatings from her cell until, uh, unfortunately, little Elsie died from neglect or illness. We're not really sure. He died from either or maybe both. On the 10th of June, 1795. And just two months later, the day before her 17th birthday, she was liberated by her Austrian cousins in a prisoner exchange. Um, unfortunately, she was the only person in the entire immediate royal family to leave the temple alive. She had spent a little over six years locked up in the temple, and uh, this is actually really interesting. These words were scratched on her cell wall. Marie-Therese Charlotte is the most unhappy person in the world. She can obtain no news of her mother, nor be reunited with her, though she has asked it a thousand times. Live my good mother, whom I love well, but of whom I can hear no tidings. Oh, my father, watch over me from heaven. Oh, my God, forgive me for those who have made my parents suffer. Oh, my God. This is so fucking sad. Oh. Now, unfortunately, guys... <laughs> This is where we're going to cut it off for today. 
because our girl Mary Therese she's finally escaped the temple she is a depressed and sad 17 year old with no parents no siblings no aunts no nothing she has lost fucking everything to the revolution but trust me it's about to get more interesting now, I actually originally planned for this episode to be a two-parter, but I, Marie Trace's story is like, she's like, it's like fairly dense, so I figure it's probably a good idea to just leave it here and get into the stuff that happened to her after uh, she was freed uh, next time. So thank you guys so much for joining me. Um, I will see you in two weeks with part two. Also, thank you guys so much for 25k downloads, uh, for sticking with me for two years of this podcast, and like here's to another two years five years, 10 years. Guys, I've got so many women on the list that I could do. I could literally keep this podcast going until I'm 30. Uh, And I'd be excited to do so. Thank you guys so much for listening. Goodbye. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, you can just DM me on Twitter at LongMaceyRain2. The N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2 instead. I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms. It really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience. So I would absolutely appreciate it if you you guys could do that. All right. Uh, bye.